Hi, this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. Now, I am um, continuing a series which is called um, Proverbs' Greatest Hits. And um, I believe that there is a prophetic edge to this sermon series. And uh, it may not operate the way sometimes in Pentecostal churches we kind of see it. Because sometimes we are kind of thinking of this big explosion of prophetic word and that that goes on. But sometimes God speaks um, through series, through sermon series and things like that. And as I was praying, I, I just felt the presence of God speaking about the fact that we're going to be entering in or have entered in to a season where we need wisdom. And it's not just accumulation wisdom. It is not just knowledge wisdom. It is not just things that you have learned walking through life wisdom. It is the God wisdom. It is the wisdom that you can only get by pursuing God. And as we get into the fall months and as we continue to deal with getting out of a pandemic, I believe that we are going to need that wisdom. And I think you're going to need that wisdom. And if you're a business owner, you're going to need that wisdom. And if you're a parent, you're going to need that wisdom. And Whatever you are doing, whatever's going on in your life, I believe that you are going to need this form of wisdom. And scripture talks about wisdom all the time. And, and there's even a word of wisdom that happens as the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we started off by talking in our first week about the fact that wisdom is calling. There's a, there's an, an, a metaphor of a woman that is calling in the street like the town crier, calling people to wisdom to know wisdom and to pursue God because it's a faith thing, but it's a fight thing. As you pursue Jesus, God will give you wisdom and it is free. And then we talked about one of the most passage, the wonderful, the most um, quoted passages in all of Scripture, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. We talked about the importance of acknowledgement. We talked about the fact that if you look at that verse in the whole context, it's only one of six things that God tells us to do. Six directives. So where do we go from here? Now some things in terms of wisdom are obvious. For instance, if it's, if it's Valentine's Day, and girls, if you have a man come in and invite you and promises you a seven-course meal, and so as you get to his house, you look, and on the table is a bag of Doritos and a six-pack of Pepsi. Wisdom should be telling you, this may not be the guy for you. There are some things that are obvious, but yet seem to be hammered again and again in the book of Proverbs. And this is one of them. I want to talk about wisdom between the bedsheets. Ooh, I just get my note out for this. This is a hand. All of a sudden, a few of you get kind of perked up there. This, is, this, this, could be, this could be interesting. I want to talk about the decoy, the damage, the destruction of sexual sin. Well, why? Well, because in the book of Proverbs, the first quarter of the book of Proverbs, there is no less than five times where Solomon gets deeply into the subject. So if someone says something to you, 
once, it's important. If it's twice, they want to make sure that you know. If they mention it three times, obviously there's a problem. They get into talking about it four or five times. They don't want you to forget. This has seen so much damage. I've seen so much carnage. I'm going to tell you till you're sick about the importance of sexual purity. And I think the ironic thing about it was that with Solomon, says that his wives turned his heart away from the Lord, which that kind of causes us to ask a question. What are your relationships doing for you? Are, are the relationships that you are in turning you towards heaven, or is it turning you towards hell? And the truth is this, many people, their lives have been ruined through sexual problems, sexual sins. Adultery, particularly, is what he talks about. And the collateral damage is incredible. I've never seen an issue with adultery where there has not been incredible damage, collateral damage. It doesn't affect you personally. And it's not obvious at first. See, sin is enjoyable for a season. And, you know, some of the things, some of the turmoil, some of the damage, we may not even see until we get to heaven. And the thing that Solomon says about this so many times is that it is the one thing that will keep you from heaven. So it's important for us to understand everything that he is talking about. Um, it keeps your children from happiness and joy. It destroys your family. It destroys trust. It has a great deal to do with break, broken dreams and broken potentials. And, and those people who commit adultery don't realize that they also make the partner vulnerable to sexual sin themselves. And and it goes on and on. And I will try and do my best to explain all of these things that Solomon is saying in these four or five parts of Scripture. But I know I won't do uh, justice to it. So you're going to have to look at the passages yourself. Be a Berean Christian. Take a look at these passages when you go home. Take a look. Study them. See, see what they are saying. And if I could do anything when I leave, or as I leave, or if there's something that I could leave with you as you depart today, my hope is that I will scare the pants back on you. <laughs> and that may sound crude, but I think that's exactly, that's exactly what Solomon is trying to do in this particular passage of Scripture. Now, I'm going to take Proverbs chapter 5. It's also seen in Proverbs chapter 2. I know it's in chapter 5. I know it's in chapter 6. There's a large part in chapter 7. In chapter 9, I believe there's some things that are said. And it is kind of intermittent uh, throughout the book of Proverbs. But the, the bulk is here. He says it again and again. But he, let me read you. And I'm reading from New International Version to start off with. It says this. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your spring overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. Hey, I'm in church. I can say it. it's in the Word of God. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. 
Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their great folly. Pretty intense, isn't it? Can I read the message version for you? The message version has a little bit more descriptive in, in, in trying to figure out and get the, the culture involved in it as well. It says, do you know the saying, drink from your own rain barrel, draw water from your own spring-fed well? It's true. Otherwise, you may one day become, may come home and find your barrel empty and your well polluted. Your spring water is for you. Enjoy the wife uh, uh, you married as a young man. Uh, lovingly as an angel, beautiful as a rose, don't ever quit taking delight in her body. Never take her love for granted. Why would you trade enduring intimacies, cheat thrills with a whore for dalliance with a promiscuous stranger? Mark well that God doesn't miss a move that you make. He's aware of every step that you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. You'll find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. You foolish, your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. What a great passage of scripture. This is the scriptures, descriptive literature which is talked about, and it talks about it in, in chapter two. It says, it says, wisdom will save you from the wayward person. The path to her bedroom it goes into that will lead to death. Chapter six, don't be stupid. You won't go unscathed. It talks about fire in your lap and you will get burned no matter what. There are terms like it leads to death. It leads to the pit. It's a double-edged sword. Chapter 7 of, uh, of Proverbs goes into great detail. And, it, and it's a picture of, of Solomon, I think, as he's kind of sitting around um, at the palace looking down. He says, I see this guy. He's kind of walking, minding his own business, and, and, and all of a sudden, a, a wife comes out to meet him and embraces him and says, hey, listen, my husband, he's on business for a month. I've just put fresh new sheets on the bed. Come on, let's just, let's just fill ourselves with love until the morning. No one's going to find out. Everything is fine. And he goes in and talks in language as to how that's a pathway to death. And he goes and he reiterates this time and time again. I often wonder what that story would look like if Solomon were telling that story today. It'd probably be a lot different, don't you think? Maybe he wouldn't be in his palace looking down. Maybe he'd be sitting in the mall. I'm sitting in the mall and I see somebody carrying a new laptop out of Best Buy and as I recognize what's going on, he's on sites that perhaps he shouldn't be. And he meets up uh, with a woman online. He doesn't even know where he was. And his wife doesn't even know that he's on the line with her. And she's from another part of the country. And it seems like things have changed slowly. And eventually he is drawn. And eventually there is a meeting time. And, 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 and one thing leads to another. And all of a sudden he finds himself trapped. See, he's talking about adultery, but it, I think all sexual sin kind of falls into the same category, don't you think? This, we find ourselves in this 
sexually charged, untethered culture. And there's an alluring voice. It's not just a physical person always. Sometimes it's a computer. Sometimes it's a cell phone. Sometimes it's a tablet. And the ability to remain pure. In Solomon's day, they had no internet or TV, but they still had the same problem. And as I was reading over this, you don't mind if I kind of spend a couple of minutes. I don't want to bore you or anything, but this stuff is important. It said that a typical adulterous husband will invest almost $26,000 over a four-month period in conducting an extramarital affair. According to the statistics on adultery, and that doesn't count what he's going to spend when his wife finds out and he has to get a lawyer and he has to move out. It says that only 5% of affairs lead to marrying the other person. This was an interesting one. 56% of men and 34% of women who had affairs stated that they were in a good and a happy marriage. It says this, 68% of divorce cases involve one spouse conducting an affair with someone they met over the internet. Wow. Do you remember, those of you guys who are older, there was a poem that came out, and I remember almost every pastor reading, it was called The 23rd Channel. Do you remember that? It was talking about the fact that, that as Christians, we spend so much time watching TV that they created this thing called the 23rd channel and it says, you know, the TV is my shepherd, I shall not want. It leads me down a uh, path of destruction and, 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 and this whole aspect of a person being addicted to a television station and, uh, you know, is that you? Maybe online, perhaps you've kind of heard that story. Boy, that's a long time ago, isn't it? Maybe the, the poem should be the internet is my shepherd. I waste so much time. I, I've fallen to temptation so many times with the internet. But the fact that we are in a different day is no different. I think Solomon says the same thing whether we are living in 2021 or a few thousand years earlier. They say this, the fantasy will never deliver what it promises. It doesn't. We think it does, but it doesn't. And then we combine that with the New Testament when Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount and in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, he says, you know, he says, if you just are looking at a woman or a person of the opposite sex or you're looking at another person lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart with that individual. And in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul gets talking about, about some of the things that were happening in the temple worship and, and the prostitution that was going on. He says, hey, do you not realize that you become one with that individual? That every person that you have been with, you can't really get rid of him. You kind of, you kind of become one. There is something that kind of happens when that act takes place. You need to be careful. It's different than any other thing. Even Hebrews chapter um, 13, verse 4, he says, you know, let the wedding bed be undefiled. It's an important thing. It's an important thing for us. And, and Solomon, in essence, is saying this. Love your spouse. Make them the only source of your desire. Make them the only fantasy that you will have. If you begin to veer from that, you are lured and seduced into a level of spiritual attack equivalent to a trap that can ultimately lead you to a lost eternity. So basically, in essence, he's saying, you know, when you sit there and say, you know, it doesn't matter where I get my appetite as well as I eat, as long as I eat at home, or it doesn't matter if I do window shopping as long as I'm going home. He says, you know, that kind of attitude will eventually lead you to a lost eternity. That's basically what he's saying. And so 
if I could somehow unpack this, if I could somehow leave you with something, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will use me. Like, please pray that the Holy Spirit will, will allow you to take something home that will, that will minister to your heart. And there's, as I've looked at these passages of Scripture, I believe that there's kind of four considerations. For those of us who kind of need to kind of have those little things compartmentalized, and obviously I'm one of them. He says this, consider the comparison. In, in Proverbs chapter 5, He's talking about the comparison of a water cistern, the, imaging, the image of, a, of a, a drinking water system. And at that time, the Hebrew, for the Hebrew people, it was, it was vital that you had this cistern. And he kind of talks about it being a cistern, and then eventually as he talks about it, it becomes, it becomes a well, and then it becomes a spring. It becomes kind of like a, a fountain. And, and at that particular time, he is using an idiom, a, 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 a a popular idiom of the day. You know how sometimes there are certain things which describe, uh, describe circumstance of the day. You know, hey, you're barking up the wrong tree. You know, uh, don't bite off more than you can chew. Those are all idioms. And so this was a popular idiom of the day. So if you heard someone say at that particular day, hey, listen, you need to drink water from your own water source. They knew that you were talking about marriage and fidelity. They knew that you were talking about adultery and, and, and everything that is compared with that. And, and water is important. The analogy is important because that's what quenches your thirst. And that's what gives you, um, that's what gives you refreshment. And also the fact that if you pollute that water, it's hard to unpollute that water. It says in Proverbs 17, 9, verse 17, stolen water tastes sweet. But then it says in verse 18, but little did they know that it causes their death. If you read that verse, you're thinking, what's that all about? Well, the idiom of the day basically gave them a clue to what he was talking about. There's some things that were only meant for you. He further expounds. He says it's fresh water. It's not stagnant water. The, the comparison of the drinking of the water was important. But the second comparison I believe that he makes is the, is the fact that what God desires and what the world desires are two totally different things. This is what Solomon is saying. Intimacy with your spouse is a holy thing. It is something which is pleasing to God. I remember reading a story of, uh, of a great pastor in Atlanta, Andy Stanley. Many of us know him um, uh, his dad was Charles Stanley, or is Charles Stanley, has a great ministry as well. But Andy Stanley was uh, at a retreat for singles having to do with dating and that. And, and so they had a time where they were t people in the audience were to write down questions. And, and he said one of the most interesting questions was a middle-aged man who was divorced. He said, I'm divorced. Why save sex for marriage? So he thought about it and he said this. It's a good question. Your direct question deserves a direct answer. If there is to life, if all there is to life is life, if you are merely a predator and women are prey, if sex is just physical and disconnected from the concept of permanency, exclusivity, and relationship, then I can't think of a reason not to have sex with as many women as you can conceive to hop into, or convince to hop into bed with you. He said, when I said that, there was a bit of a lull. They weren't expecting their pastor to say something like that. 
He said the answer was particularly disturbing to women in the audience. He says, heck, I was particularly disturbed by the comment I made. But this is what he says. He continues. He says, but if there's more to this life that meets the eye, if there's a God in whom image you have been made in and whose image every woman you've met has been made, if sex is a creation that was created, and if that fragile, wonderful, delicate experience we term intimacy can be damaged or broken through abuse, then your sexual conduct matters a great deal. So you have to decide what you believe, not just about sex, but about everything. And once you decide the answer to your important question, it will be clear. Perhaps uncomfortably clear. There's more than a man and a woman being together, that there is something holy about it that God has called to us if we are passionate followers of Jesus. You know, the ultimate, the ultimate comparison is the fact that, that Christ is the bridegroom and we are the bride. He says, consider, consider the um, comparison. Then he says this, consider the caution. Then he begins to talk about some of the things that happened, that, that, that every discomfort, every effort, we need to use every effort to discipline and train and see well in advance to be aware of the danger that they are in. He gives us the same warning in every instance. Surely her house leads down to death and her past lead to the spirits of the dead. That's what it says in, in chapter two of Proverbs. Everything is in full view of the Lord. There is nothing private that happens. God sees everything. It says this, the shadow of your sin will overtake you. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Pastor Wayne Cordero says this. I really like this quote. He says, the pain of discipline is less painful than the pain of regret. It's true, isn't it? Listen to chapter six. And I know I'm giving you kind of a lot of the word, but it's kind of, I had to kind of pull everything together here. It says, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be, can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Can into another gear. He kind of shifts it into third gear and he says this, consider the cluelessness. Consider the fact that once you are drawn away into this, all of a sudden you are caught at a time when you thought you would never, ever be caught. It catches up to you. And that's where things begin to explode. That's where things begin to blow up. The carnage, the repercussions, the insanity, the collateral damage, the absolute stupidity, the ludicrousness. Why would you do something like this when you realize all the repercussions and for some reason it is still something that will draw us away. It is still something that somehow hangs on to us. Proverbs 34 says, but a man, 632 says, but a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a, a man's fury and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. Why should you trade enduring intimacies for cheap thrills with a promiscuous stranger? Wow. Like the language is just so deep and so full. I think, I think chapter 7 of Proverbs is one of the most um, 
gripping as he talks about this fair and as it unfolds and he says, I, he is oblivious to what's going on. He uses three analogies. He kind of says, it's kind of like an ox going to the slaughter. The ox doesn't even know he's going to die. He's just kind of leading him along, you know, realizing he's going to get conked on the head or whatever they do to, to, to cows to kill them. I'm not too sure. There might be a, a rustler, a cattle. No? Okay. The next is of uh, a deer. It's kind of caught in a trap. Tries to pull himself away. And then all of a sudden the arrow is upon him. He didn't, didn't have a chance. He didn't think he was in trouble, but all of a sudden he's in trouble. And the other one is of a bird kind of flowing, flying into a trap. I'm realizing what's ahead, what's happening, what's taking place. And I have never ever seen adultery end well. Perhaps you have but probably you haven't. Probably one of the number one causes of poverty among us today when marriages break up and families split and, and income is not there and the kids suffer and people are hurt and people are scarred and people are abused. And it's just a mess. It's just a, a huge mess. There's always a trail. There's always carnage. And to the fact that that every person that you have been with stays with you is another thing. And some of us kind of get caught between the caution um, and, the, um, and the cluelessness. We kind of hover between one or the other and we just think it's okay and you know, we start flirting and maybe inappropriate texts and maybe we have different accounts and and they happen so quickly and so easily and we justify them somehow in some way that all of a sudden they're there. So there's the last one, last comparison. And he basically says, well, that's the wrong way to go. And so you're left to ask the question, well, what's the right way? What's the right path? We're going to tell Solomon, he says, consider the captivation. He says this. He says, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. What a wonderful passage. But it is one that we are clueless when it comes to the translation. You ever have something in a different language and you try and say it into, into a language that we're having? We have kind of lost the translation on, on this particular one. It took me a little while. I had to sit and, and read a little bit about what exactly is Solomon talking about? That word intoxication. You know, it's, it's been... It has been a whole bunch of other versions. They say captivated, but the true word is actually intoxication. The actual interpretation is a gazelle. And a certain area of the gazelle. And this particular word in, in the Hebrew is very rare. And you read it here and in a number of other Things of erotic Hebrew literature. He's talking very much erotically. He's talking about the beauty of a deer. And the emphasis is on the gazelle. The other time that you mention about, there's a mention about a gazelle, it is in the Song of Solomon's. And hey, we all know about Song of Solomon, right? No, okay, I'll go. I, I'm going to get on to that. 
But he talks deeply about some of the things that are, that are talked about. He, said, he says, the aspect of breasts could be talked about love. And it is only mentioned here, this, this term breasts here. And it's talking um, very deeply about that. It's also mentioned in Ezekiel as well. And it says a number of things about this. And there are a number of things that I'm not even going to tell you because I'm probably going to get a little bit embarrassed if I were to tell you everything that is involved in that. There's an emphasis on rejoicing and on joy, to find pleasure in your spouse. That word intoxicate is from the Hebrew word shaga, someone who is under the influence of wine, someone who drinks too much. And, And they're saying, you cannot have too much of a person you are being intimate with. It's, it's going into that deep of a level. Now, when I, when I studied this, Shagai, I went to the authorities, Kyle and Dillich. Kyle and Dillich say it is a super abundant feeling of goodness or arousal. Like he is not mixing up words here. He uses the word continuously. He uses the word ever. He says all the time. All the time, continuously, he uses the strongest language to use that. He's using everything he possibly can to prove an important point both then and now. He or she should be your fantasy. Not the person at work, not the person in the movie, not the person in the novel, not the person on the website, not the person who's a really nice, charming charming person, not the person on the billboard, not the person that you innocently flirt with. And that a couple needs to work to maintain that for each other. And if they stray from that, they put themselves in peril. A trap. A spiritual battle that can, that can get them in deep spot. And wisdom says that families must be vigilant to protect your intimacy. You need to control your thoughts, your desires, channeling to the love that you have for your wife, your spouse. It's a sin to give, to give away what God intends for marriage alone. You weren't expecting this on a Sunday morning, were you? I can't talk about Proverbs, about talking about this. And there are some people who say, you know what? In this culture, that's impossible. You're talking about something impossible. There's a a book I came across. It was called um, The Obedience Option. It's by a fellow named David Hagen. He was talking to an individual who was a young adult, and he said, you know what? These feelings that I have for girls is just so overwhelming. I can't do anything. And God gave me this feeling, so therefore it is God's fault. There's nothing I can do about this irresistible feeling of lust that I have for other women. And he says, okay. He says, well, let me ask you a question. So say you are with this girl, and you are getting to the point where, where the two of you are going to be together. And somehow, I show up and I say, listen, I have 15 $100 bills right now. And I'm going to put that down on the table and you will choose whether you are going to be with that girl or whether you are going to take the money. And he said, well, I'd rather have the cash. And so he says, well, What happened to the irresistible force of lust? And what happens is they come to the conclusion that one passion may seem irresistible until a greater passion comes along. See, the only way to overcome a passion for sin is with an overwhelming passion for righteousness. 
for faith in Christ, knowing him, loving him, serving him, giving him everything. And that's the challenge for us today. Um, I probably told this story before, um, but it's a good one, so you'll want to hear it again. There was a, um, a time when I was here 25 years ago and as the youth pastor, and I was kind of praying um, along the front here, right around there. Um, the Holy Spirit speaks deeply to my heart. Like it wasn't just one of those, oh, I think the Lord is talking to me. You ever have those? Oh, I think that the Lord is impressing upon me. And then there's those times where like, boom, God's speaking to me, undeniably. And I'm not one of those people that says, God told me to tell you. That really, I, I, I find that bothers me when, when, when people utilize that. But all of a sudden, I felt strongly the Holy Spirit say, there's an individual in the church, you know him, you're friends with him. He's going to mess around with his wife. And what I want you to do is I want you to warn him. I want you to talk to him. And I said, no, that's just me. That's just me. And I kept arguing with God for about 10 or 15 minutes in the corner there. And I said, okay, God, I'll tell you what. Not like God's going to do anything for me saying, I tell you what, God is God, right? But what happened is I said, if this is really you, I want him to come and sit in my office this afternoon. I want him to come and sit. And so it was lunchtime. So I go to my office and I said, I'm going for lunch. And I was at the Y playing basketball. So I figured, okay, 12 o'clock, one half an hour, 45 minutes for basketball. I'm not going to get back to the office till about two o'clock. I'll leave as early as I possibly can. And I closed my door. I never closed my office door. I closed my office door. You know, meaning, hey, he's busy at work or sleeping. No, he's busy at work. So all of a sudden, I'm there half an hour, and I hear, you know, behind a door, and I can tell it was my friend. Oh, God, Lord. And then he's at my door. There's Mike in. <laughs> he opens the door. He sits on the couch, just in the place where I had envisioned him to sit. I say, hey, how's it going? Good, good, how's it going? He's talking real loud, everything like that. I'm going good. Is there something wrong? No, no, there's nothing wrong. And he got up and left. He got up and he left. And I said, well, maybe that wasn't God. Well, no. So I went and talked to the administrator, and the administrator said, you missed it. You've got to do something about it. So I went home, it was a Friday, I went home and I felt terrible. And I began praying, God, I'm hoping that he doesn't make the mistake. And I tried to call him and he, he was unavailable. It was 25 years ago, they didn't have a, a cell phone or anything like that. I just couldn't get a hold of him for some reason. And, and I agonized all that Saturday and God poured on my heart such huge conviction over this because even when I put down the conditions, God God did everything, and here I was being absolutely disobedient to the voice of God, 
And so Sunday comes, I see him. And I said, you cannot leave today until you've talked to me. Do not dare leaving. Oh, is there something I did wrong? I hope not. <laughs> and so I um, had the service after the service. I said, what's the problem? And so I told him. This is what came upon me. I prayed about it. I even put, I even put some conditions down, and God, you showed up, and I should have. That's why I was weird on, on Friday, and, and I hope you didn't do anything terrible. You want to know what his response was? Let's, let's close in prayer. No. Did you want to know what the response is? His response was this. He says, I absolutely love my wife. Um, I don't, uh, didn't have any plans on having any kind of affair in my wife. But over the last two weeks, there's been a girl on my route who is a, a single girl. And through my conversations with her, I realized that if I wanted, if I wanted to make a move, then I probably could have. And so, hey, there was nothing there. See, sometimes God gives you that, that I don't know, what is it, that, that, extra, that extra mile? Uh, sometimes God doesn't, doesn't warn you things right on the spur of it. He gives you the opportunity, right? So I remember saying to myself, whenever the opportunity comes, I'm going to say something. Whenever there's a message that I have to give on adultery, on sexual sin, or anything, you say it. Even if your own life is not perfect. Even, you know, hey, if I'm, if, if, if I'm going for counseling, a girl comes into my office, I keep that door open. If a girl says, hey, let's go for a coffee or for counseling, I say, well, no. Or if it's serious, then we're going to have a board member come, we're going to have a staff member come, or my wife is going to come. You know, and I am not a person up here saying, hey, you people down there. No, I'm, I'm one who is desiring to say pure my whole life. But I will never ever shy away from the fact that every time I give a message like this, I know, I know that there's one or two, three, four, maybe more that suffer. So if you're here and you're on the verge, maybe this message is for you. Maybe this message is for you. Maybe you are the one that said, you know what, I've just found out that if there was a chance I could, this is God saying, don't, don't ruin your life. Don't mess things up. Or maybe you're here and you've just, you've just gotten yourself to the point where you're all messed up. Well, let's allow God to do healing in your life. And maybe you're here and someone messed around on you and you're the product of adultery. And so you're sitting here trying to put back the pieces together. There's a God who loves you and there is a God who is a healing God. And no matter what difficulty you've been through or maybe you are a child and you are a product of adultery. I know I was. I know that feeling. I know the brokenness. God is here and you are here for a reason. God wants to heal you. God wants to do a great work in you. God wants to minister through you. So Holy Spirit, flow through this place this morning each and every life each and every person it's so great
to preach to people and it's great to preach online uh, to people. But God, I know that you're moving. I know that you're working. I know that your spirit desires to heal and move and free and work through us. So for whoever needs healing in whatever way, whoever needs deliverance in whatever way, for those people who have wandered in God, you're calling them back. I pray, God, that you do so. We love you. We pray for your power. We pray for your anointing. We thank you for your grace. And God, do miracles in our lives because you are a great God. name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to hand things over to Pastor Glenn. Thanks for being with us online. Have a great week and hopefully we'll see you in person sometime. But if not, keep showing up. God bless. You are formally dismissed if you have kids to pick up. I think we've gone a little longer than we normally would. I saw them handing out ice cream earlier, so your kids are probably all sticky and everything. But if you need a few more minutes to spend some time with God, I'm just going to sing that song that we just sang before Pastor Mike came up that says, I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will call upon the Lord for he alone is strong enough to save and rise your shackles are no more for Jesus Christ has broken every chain and I will call upon the Lord for he alone is strong enough to save rise your shackles are no more for Jesus Christ broken every chain we need no other hiding place hope is safe within your name this we know this we know he promised never to Oh,
of your Holy Spirit and God the anointing of God but God the real altar call starts the second the music stops God the second we move from the space that we're in God then we find out if it was an emotional high or if God it was a disciplined decision God, our prayer this morning is that each and every person here would make a disciplined decision to say, God, I will follow after the way of righteousness. <clears throat> so God bless each person. God, I know they've got ice cream out in the foyer that's going to melt. And uh, I like to honor everyone that's involved in doing things as well. And you're more than welcome to stay for a few more minutes, but uh, they're going to eat it all if you don't go. So. <laughs> I was involved in the vineyard for a while or whatever, and they always said, make sure you give people an opportunity to leave. Don't make anyone feel like you need to stay. But if you do need to stay, like Pastor Mike told in his story, there was someone he needed to talk to. If you do need to stay, stay and do business with God before you leave. We need no other hiding place. Hope is safe within your name. 
This we know, this we know. You promise never to forsake. You. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.